a Podcast One production. You're listening to Crappy to Happy with Tiff and Cass. Last episode, we were talking about mindfulness 101, real basics. This episode, we're going to talk about changing habits and the motivation myth. So Cass, motivation. Yeah. I'm assuming this is a, you see this a lot. I do. As a trainer. As a trainer and running an online fitness weight loss business, people come to me because they want to lose weight or get fit and they're very motivated in the beginning. And and I see that they do get those results through motivation, but there comes a time where they fall off the wagon, motivation fails them, and they're staring at me going, why is this so hard? And the answer isn't always with motivation, is it? It's It always comes back to habits, creating healthy habits. And I find that the clients that are most successful, members most successful, are those who do implement the healthy habits. And those that are the least successful are those that are relying on the willpower, relying on the motivation. And there's a lot of scientific evidence to back this up, that motivation isn't what we should be relying on. It should be habits. Where did that even come from? Where is it that we, why is it that we all think that we should magically be motivated? And I mean that about any goal. You know, I'm writing a book at the moment and, you know, so you say, well, um, if I only wrote when I felt motivated to write, like not much writing would get done. And the same with anything. Training, studying, everything. You do it whether you feel like doing it or not. Yeah. And sometimes you need to have a deadline. Sometimes that's the thing that gets you going. But I think the problem is when you're relying only on yourself, like there's no external pressure, mm. there's no external deadline. If I've got to write an article for TIFXO, mm. it gets written mm-hmm. maybe at the last minute, mm. but there's an external <laughs> pressure to <laughs> get it done. Because we're writing you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if I'm writing a book for myself or something that's for, you know, nobody's putting pressure on me, mm-hmm. then there's not that same pressure and mm-hmm. therefore things don't get done. So we have to go beyond motivation, mm-hmm. don't we, to get we to achieve any do. goal. Because the motivation runs out and I find that in myself. I'm doing physio at the moment for my broken ankle. It's very hard to keep going. It's boring. You know, you get, oh, I'm over it. But you have to create that habit where as soon as I wake up, I'm doing physio. At lunchtime, I do physio. And before I go to bed, physio, I'm trying to build the habit in Mm. to get it done. Because I know if I wait until I'm motivated, it it just won't happen. Too many other things get in the way. So what are the kinds of things that... that you see coming up in the community, like in the TIFXO community about this topic, this motivation? So in the TIFXO community, we see people have one bad day and then they write off the whole week and they can't get re-motivated after they have, say, a slip-up, like a Mm -hmm. biscuit with a coffee. Oh, I've had a biscuit. I might as well go and have fast food now. And you see this cycle once they're off the wagon of just sabotaging and um, feeling self-defeated and just not being able to get back on track. Um, so that comes down to, you know, how we coach them to reset and to, to try lose and... Lose that all or nothing Yeah, thinking. lose the all or nothing attitude. But a lot of it has to do with motivation. If you have a bad day, how do you get motivated the next day to pick up, pull up your socks and keep going um, and... Also, you know, relying on that motivation far too much. I know that in my own life, when I build healthy habits, for example, something as simple as brushing my teeth, I don't think about it. I brush my teeth morning, 
and night. So, you know, I've implemented exercise at times in my life where it is just like brushing my teeth. I just do it. Rain, mm-hmm. hell or shine, I do it because I feel good after. Um, and same with healthy eating. There's just some no-nos. I don't drink soft drink for something. I hate soft drink, so I don't have it in the house. I don't have it. Um, there are habits there with what I drink, what I don't drink. Um, having those habits have saved me time and time again from relying on motivation that comes and goes. And my my best advice to anyone starting a health and fitness journey or adventure, adventure because adventure, I hate the we word journey, the word. it's used way too much in reality TV, uh, is to forget the motivation and to concentrate on the habits. Can I ask you a question? Mm. Because you've talked about your healthy habits in terms of your nutrition Mm. and exercise and that's Mm. been your lifestyle Mm. and your living Mm -hmm. like how you make a living Mm -hmm. for a very long time so those habits would be really well entrenched Mm -hmm. for you in our last episode we talked about meditation Mm -hmm. how did you go with making that new habit like that's because that would have been something that would have been new for you something that wasn't already part of Mm -hmm. your routine how did you do that well simply I didn't have any more time in the day to dedicate to anything so my husband and I decided we'd go to bed 10 minutes earlier and instead of scrolling through uh, Facebook or Instagram like I was doing in bed, which is a big no-no big no-no from Cass <laughs> because of the blue light that kept me up and all the thoughts of, you know, mm-hmm. it was I found it negative. I put the phone away just in a drawer in the kitchen and Ed and I went to bed and 10 minutes earlier and that's how we instilled a little bit of habit around meditation. And and it's working. Yeah. It's really working. So there's a set time. Set time. Part of a routine. Space. Got a buddy, which mm-hmm. helps as well. Yeah, I've got a meditation buddy. <laughs> he keeps me accountable. And, you know, it is hard sometimes. I do want to stay up and watch telly or, you know, I, I start tidying up the house at that time because the baby's in bed or, you know, those things have to wait because the meditation is very important. And we have stuck to it and it's been great. Yeah. So, Cass, let's start with the science of willpower because I didn't know this, but willpower runs out, right? Yeah. Willpower has been found to be a finite resource. It's essentially that people talk about it in different ways. Some people talk about it like uh, an energy that depletes Mm -hmm. and renews. And there are certain things that deplete it and certain things that renew it or replenish Mm -hmm. it. I think it also people talk about it as being like a muscle that fatigues. I actually really like that metaphor because the muscle that fatigues also can be strengthened over time. And that's that's the thing about willpower is initially you, you might have a weak willpower muscle. Mm-hmm. It actually technically is an energy. It's like a glucose. It's, it's fueled by glucose in your body. But if we use the muscle metaphor, then you might have a weak willpower muscle so that you can, it will fatigue by the end of a long day, which is why we all fall off the wagon at mm-hmm. night. Uh, and it, but over time with building up that muscle slowly, you actually can increase your uh, the strength of your willpower over time. So when people are talking about looking for motivation to stick to goals, looking for their motivation to do something or not do something. So when we talk about willpower, we're talking about um, Kelly McGonigal is actually a Stanford University psychologist who has also researched this. And she talks about willpower as, as actually willpower, won't power and want power. There's three different components to it. So I will do something. Mm-hmm. I will go to the gym. I will exercise today. I mm-hmm. will write my book. Mm-hmm. I will. I will. 
I I won't. So willpower also constitute the thing constitutes the things that I won't do. Mm-hmm. So I won't eat the cake. Yes. All the things that we're, every time we stop doing something mm-hmm. that we really want to. Oh, that counts too. Yeah, yep. that counts as well. And then the other thing is, well, the other thing that we know depletes it is decision-making. Mm. Sure, you and I have talked about yes, this a bit before. Yes, we have, how important it is. The decision-making like- thing. And so every time you make a decision or every time, and in fact, any when you think about what I will do and what I won't do, mm. if you think about all day long through your life, we mm. can talk about the big things like the diet and the exercise mm. and mm. those big sort of bigger decisions. Mm. But even just the fact that I have to go to work when I would rather stay home or the fact yes. that I will, I, you know, um, refrain from making a rude comment to somebody mm-hmm. who cuts me off in the traffic, like all of that's using yes. up. Yes, and the, I I find I'm nice to children, the person at work. <laughs> children's so hard because you're making decisions all day. What do I do in this situation? Like, do I... It's so hard. You're making decisions all day with the kids. Yeah, you are. It's very depleting. Yeah, you are. Like, do I go out now? He's going to bid you for a nap. Yeah. (laughs) Feed, nap, play, this. What's he need? What's he need? It depletes. (sighs) So decision-making, doing things you don't want to do, not doing things you do want to do, all of these things fatigue the muscle. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, your willpower will be quite depleted. Okay. So that's important to know. It's How do you finite. build up the muscle though? We know it's an energy in your body mm-hmm. and we know it's fueled by rest and by glucose in your blood mm-hmm. and your brain. So mm-hmm. actually e- eating regularly, mm-hmm. like keeping your blood sugar stable, stable mm-hmm. is really important. Okay. So if you apply that to people who diet, mm-hmm. when you're dieting, when you're Consciously choosing to uh-huh. limit your calorie so intake. you're depleting willpower as you're oh, increasing cravings. Yeah, yep. yeah. So on the one hand, we've talked about, we've talk, had a whole episode on mm. dieting in season one mm. where we talked about when you um, choose to not eat certain foods and then mm-hmm. you focus intensely on wanting to eat those mm-hmm. things and then your blood sugar's low so you're actually, your willpower's low as well. Low as well. So it's oh, almost a recipe for disaster. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. So keeping your blood sugar levels stable mm-hmm. is really important. And also rest. Um, so meditation, for example, mm-hmm. taking breaks yes. um, will renew that willpower. So Cass, are you saying that we should limit the decisions we make? If it's possible to limit the number of decisions that you have to make, then you will certainly keep your oh. reserves of willpower up. So this is the reason why... Barack Obama, Steve Jobs, Mark Zuckerberg, they all wear Mm -hmm. basically like a uniform every day. Mm -hmm. Um, So they don't have to think about whether that's a grey T-shirt and a pair of jeans or whether it's a blue suit or a grey suit, then they don't have to think about what they're going to wear every day. Mm. Um, Similarly, they'll have a routine to, you know, hit the gym at six o'clock every morning. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, rain, hail, shine. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. Go. So if you can remove those decisions and make things part of the routine, what Mm -hmm. we know about habits is that they require no thinking. Mm -hmm. They require no decision-making because they're so automatic. So that's what we want to aim for is to get rid of the the thinking process, the decision process that depletes all of that willpower and just make it so automatic that it's like you. It's it's such a part of your life that you don't even think about. And when I had the baby, I found that decision-making so overwhelming, what to do with this tiny newborn. So I, I did formulate a little routine with the help of a midwife and Arnold has been on Arnold's routine. I emailed it off to all friends and family, visiting times, 
here are his nap times, here are his feed times, here are his play times, and the whole day's mapped out. So I don't. I look at the clock. I know exactly right now he's asleep until one thirty. One thirty's feed. He'll play until three thirty when he'll have another nap. You know, and it has taken so much pressure off everyone mm. that Arnold is on his routine, and we just all can, you know. Until he changes it. Yeah, until <laughs> and of course it has been adapting from newborn yes. to a five-month baby. There's yes. solids now. He's eating some solids. So you add in solid sessions, all of that. But it, it does take away some of that torment of decision-making yeah. day in, day out with yeah, kids. For sure. So let's talk about habits. I love habits. I love discipline. I love routine. Uh, I guess it comes from my martial art background where habits and the routine of training and the practice is so important. No matter how you feel or what's going on, you would make time for that martial arts training every non-negotiable. day. It's yeah. non-negotiable. And it, it, it was beautiful because the habit was built into me in terms of you put on your dobok, your uniform. That's the first part of the habit. You tie up your belt in the exact same way every single day, making sure that the lengths are down to your knees and the knot is a certain way. And it all forms a way of um, getting prepared to train. And uh, I think it's important in all sorts of habits, whether you are going for a run in the morning, you put on your runners, or maybe it's a heart rate monitor, or, you know, you have these tiny little habits built into habits that help to get you moving. And um, I, I find that so important important in my life to maintain healthy habits. So is there some science behind that? Yes. In fact, almost half of everything that we do every day is done out of habit. Wow. So when you're talking about, again, Taekwondo or Mm. exercise routine, that's one activity that you Mm. do. But the fact of the matter is from when you wake up in the morning until when you go to bed at night, most, most of your day is habitual, like mm-hmm. including what you think and what you feel, not just what you do. I don't have to ask you, like if you would, you would probably have to stop and think if I asked you, do you put your left shoe on first or your right shoe? Like which? No, oh, I couldn't tell you, probably my right. But, but I guarantee yeah. you it's exactly the same every day. Or when you get up in the morning, you know, what is the first thing that you do? Mm. Do you go, do you know, straight to the meditation cushion, yep. straight to the coffee machine, straight to the shower, straight to the phone. Mm-hmm. It will be the same yes. every day. Yes. We all have our routine and uh, we don't even think anymore. Mm. You know, so there's a part of our brain that is involved in making decisions mm-hmm. and that's a huge mental load. Like if you have to think about everything that you do, it uses a lot of mental resources. So for efficiency, our brain chunks things mm-hmm. together. It chunks a whole lots of different activities into these little routines so that then one thing just triggers off another, triggers off another, triggers off another. Mm. You know when you're driving somewhere and you this time instead of going to work, you have to pick somebody up from the airport, but you drive straight to, you take the, automatically put the indicator on and take the exit to yes. go to work. Oh no. Instead yes. of going to the airport because that's what you, you're just so programmed yes. to follow that routine. Mm-hmm. So if you're not consciously thinking, mm-hmm. you'll automatically drive to the place Yes. Even though you're not supposed Absolutely. to be Absolutely. So every day we, you know, our brains have a limited capacity. So they're very good at chunking things together. Mm-hmm. And so everything that we do, generally speaking, like triggers off something else, triggers off something else, triggers off something else. So that it's not just one thing we do. Mm-hmm. It's whole chains of things so linked if you, together. So if you're doing something that isn't good for you and you would like to change that habit, Mm. how do you short circuit that habitual automatic 
so chain pe- of events. So people focus on there's this behaviour that I want to change. Mm-hmm. It will, but that behaviour will be one little chink in that whole chain. Mm-hmm. So, and every behaviour, and we know this, has got like a trigger, like a cue to do mm-hmm. it. And then usually when we're talking about things like, you know, like food mm-hmm. and uh, or any behaviour that we do, mm-hmm. there's a reward at the mm-hmm. end of it. Ah, the reward. Yes. So we have a cue. Yes. If I am trying to stop eating chocolate, yes. there'll be a cue to eat the chocolate. Mm-hmm. The cue could be it's three o'clock. Yes. The cue can be a time of day. Yep. It's three o'clock, I go straight to the vending machine. It's three o'clock, it's time mm-hmm. to go down to the Early cafe. morning coffees and, yeah. So there's a cue, there's a behaviour, then there's mm-hmm. a reward. So if we want to unpack habits or create new habits, we have to look at the whole chain. I think Mm. that's the important thing because everything links to something else. Mm -hmm. So Cass, what are some other things that are getting in the way of people making good choices and getting those habits in place to get them to their goal? There's lots of tricky things that our brain does. Mm -hmm. Um, So essentially what we when people talk about wanting to be motivated or want, looking for motivation or looking for willpower Mm -hmm. to achieve a goal, what they're essentially saying is they want to uh, prioritize the long-term goal over the short-term gratification. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, do I want to? I really want to eat this cake right now, but I know that that's not, a get, not going to get me closer to the goal of fitting into that dress. Or mm-hmm. you know, I I want to stay on the couch and watch TV, but that's not going to get me closer to my goal of running a half marathon. No. And so, so often we tend to default to choosing the instant what feels good now. Yes, over what is. Um, what we want. That's that I want mm-hmm. power that mm-hmm. I was talking about before. I said I, the willpower, the won't power, then the I want power is the, the actual goal, the yes. long-term thing that I'm aiming for. Yes. So how do we make that the priority? And and we do tend to oftentimes choose the what feels good in the short term. Yeah, yeah. And how, how do you sit with that discomfort and push through to... Well, I think we, uh, ha- we have to start understanding our own psychology a bit. And again, yeah. you know, mindfulness is no mindfulness. judgment. Mm-hmm. So if we can start noticing the things that we think and the things that we tell ourselves, the stories that we buy mm-hmm. into, and without any judgment, we can start seeing what some of these um, traps are that we fall mm-hmm. into that get in the way. And that's that's going to help so us. So episode one on positive thinking mm-hmm. and episode two on mindfulness. Are all helping. Are all helping to build today. these habits, yeah, to prime you to make a good habit. So one thing that we know is that human beings will, you know, you th- we think, we see this in the community all the time, we mm. think that if we're doing really well and making progress, that mm. that will be really motivating to continue. And for mm-hmm. some people it certainly is. But what we actually often find is that making progress almost triggers us to feel that we deserve a reward. So mm. I've done so well, making all this great progress, yay me, mm-hmm. I deserve to you see it all have the time. that pizza. Yeah. And the other thing is that what we know is like we, we have this moralistic kind of way that we, um, you know, we use to, we've talked to before about moralizing food choices. Like it's mm-hmm. good or it's bad and therefore mm-hmm. I'm good or I'm bad. Mm. And so this applies to often our behavioral choices as well. Like if we do something good, we, you know, give ourselves a pat on mm-hmm. the back. But we, what we do, human beings are fascinating creatures. Mm. If we do something that's good, we kind of give ourselves license to then do something bad. Why do we do that? Because I don't know. It's our, it's our, this funny brain yeah. ways that our brain works. This applies to, for example, to get off the food subject for a minute, this applies to if you ask people to recall a time 
that they did something really altruistic, mm. that they did something really good for other people, they're less likely then, if you give them the option to donate to a charity, they're actually less likely to donate to the mm. charity if they've just remembered the time they did something good. Because in their mind, they already did that good thing, pat on the back, off the hook. Incredible. Basically, they do. They do. And also, um, if you... Uh, if you tell yourself that you're going to go to the gym later, mm-hmm. like you haven't even been yet, mm-hmm. but if in your mind you tell yourself you're going to the gym, you give yourself licence to eat more now. This is so interesting, Cass. I love talking about habits and motivation. We're going to take a little break now and come back and talk about how you can build those healthy habits. Welcome back to Crappy to Happy. We're talking all things habits and motivation. So for myself, when I was uh, competing at elite level or, uh, you know, in peak states of training, I don't know if this was the right approach, Cass, but keeping front of mind the reasons that I was doing this, whether it was to build my brand or to, um, because it was a personal goal to see how far I could go in taekwondo, I always came back to why, why am, I, why am I here? And that kept me motivated to continue to set the routine that set me up to keep the habit going, if that makes sense. So when we talk about delaying, like putting off the instant gratification, yes. it has to be in the service of the longer term reward. And that's what yeah. you're saying. So yeah. that remembering the why, mm-hmm. like that's what we tell people all the mm-hmm. time when you feel like you know, you deserve this or you you don't have the energy for this or mm-hmm. whatever it is that your mind's telling yourself, mm. then oh, you would have had days for sure. For sure. When you didn't feel like training. Your muscles are fatigued. You feel tired. You feel like you're not going to be able to do it, especially when I was going for my sixth damn black belt. Mm. I just felt, oh, no, I just want to sit on the couch and watch TV. <laughs> I really do instead of going to class or going to training. But then I remembered, no, I really want to earn this qualification, all the reasons why I wanted it. And that would motivate me to get off the couch to go to training. Yeah. Holding in mind, bringing that yeah. long-term goal and that intrinsic uh, motivation, that whatever that intrinsic driver is mm-hmm. to make that goal so meaningful mm-hmm. and personal to you. I think that's how you get over that. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that helped me was to write down those whys, yes. write them down, have them on the fridge, have them on the mirror in the bathroom, above my bed, everywhere just to remind me in those moments where motivation was failing, I could say, hey, no, this is the time classes, this is the time you're going to go and to keep to the routine. Anything that you can put around in your environment, I think Mm -hmm. is always really useful. Visual reminders and Mm -hmm. cues and phrases or, you know, pictures of um, where you see yourself, Mm -hmm. visualising your future self. Mm -hmm. And even there's one exercise we do where you even write a letter to yourself from the future, mm. saying what you've achieved, or you write down your, we call it the best possible self exercise, mm-hmm. where you imagine in a date in the future when you've achieved what you want and you have become the best possible version of you. That's and cool. you write it in detail. Mm-hmm. It's proven to really improve um, people's performance and keep people mm-hmm. on track to mm-hmm. um, changing those habits and you know pushing through that hard stage of, because it is hard. It is so your hard. Habits, yeah, absolutely. Um, to push through until that becomes more automatic. It's really uncomfortable. Goals. And yeah, journaling, anything you can do to push through that discomfort, I find does help. So let's talk about the willpower again. If it's a finite resource, it 
it wears off, uh, motivation disappears and we're left with habits. Mm. So how do we start from scratch in forming a new habit? So what you want to remember, like we said before, is that a habit is a comprises of, and there's research about this, Mm -hmm. that a habit comprises of three components, Mm -hmm. a cue, then the actual behavior, and then the reward. The reward. So what you want to do is to, when that cue comes up, Mm -hmm. substitute a different behavior that gives you the same reward. Mm -hmm. So that requires you to really think about what do I get from that behavior? Mm -hmm. Let's say my behavior is a three o'clock chocolate bar. Mm -hmm. For different people, and this will be different things. Maybe it is just a, sh- a sugar hit or mm-hmm. a sugar rush. Energy. And maybe I could get that in a different way. Mm-hmm. Maybe I could go outside and get some fresh air. Mm-hmm. For some people, and in fact, the author of the book, The Power of Habit, he identified this himself. And he said he realized that actually it was a craving for um, social connection because he would get up and go to the tea room and there would be other people there. Ah. And so he would have a chat with people in the tea room. Yeah. And so he realized that he actually didn't it wasn't the the chocolate or the cake or the whatever it was that he was going mm-hmm. for. It was a break from his computer and getting to go and have a chat mm. with some people. So he just went and had a chat with some people. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't actually need that, um, the, the habit of the cake mm. to get the same reward. But so if you can work out, because it will be very different for different people at, in different circumstances, yeah. what that behavior is that you want to change. We're talking about changing mm. habits now. If you can work out specifically to you, what's the reward that that gives you? Well, then you can, we talk about this with emotional eating, right? Yes. Then you can work out, well, what do I substitute in Mm -hmm. that's going to give me that same reward? So that when that cue pops up, I have a little bit of mindfulness, Mm -hmm. mindful awareness of what's happening. Mm -hmm. I have the urge to do something, Mm -hmm. to engage in that thing, which is so routine, I don't even think about it. But I have enough presence of mind to say, well, no, I'm going to do this thing differently. This thing instead, Mm -hmm. that gives me the same reward. And over time, Mm. then you actually create a different behaviour. How interesting. Yeah, you know, people sometimes start from, you know this, we know this in the TIFXO mm. community, people starting from a point of needing to change a lot of so behaviours. So much, an overhaul. And he talks about cornerstone habits. This is uh-huh. Charles Dewey wrote the book, The Power of Habit. He talks about some habits are like cornerstone habits, which if you can change this one behaviour, because mm. of the way everything connects, mm. it actually has this ripple effect which influences you to change another behaviour and another behaviour. So if I decide okay. I'm going to start exercising mm-hmm. and I'm going to get up and have a run in the morning, mm-hmm. well, that means I actually have to go to sleep a bit earlier. So mm-hmm. then my sleep's better, which means I actually have to get off my phone. And then I, it means mm-hmm. that I'm going to, if I've been for a run in the morning, it means that I'm going to be more inclined to eat a healthier breakfast. Mm-hmm. So it has the this flow-on effect. Yeah, yeah. This flow-on effect. So you change one thing. And without even really trying, you can potentially mm. have this ripple effect where you change a lot of things without actually necessarily putting a lot of energy into mm. deliberately changing those things. So, But it takes a while to break a habit. How long does it take to break a habit? Or to make a habit. Break a habit, make yeah. a habit. A lot of people talk about this 21-day yeah. idea. Is it a myth? I think so. I don't know where the 21 days came from. I think there was some study that... that or something that a book... Three weeks seems very... 
fast. And unfortunately, people rely on that. When they haven't made a new habit, they get all deflated and demotivated. Absolutely. I see it time and time again from Tiffex. So after a month, they're like, oh, it didn't work for me. <laughs> I'm still getting the same like, cravings. It's only been 30 days. Your taste buds rejuvenate every two weeks. So even if you're eating a different diet, it takes two weeks for your taste buds to change. That's something biological, let alone you those um, synapses in your brain to yeah. make new habits and connections. Yeah. Like, I'm, p- I'm pretty sure it's more like 66 days yeah. is how long it takes to create a new habit. I mean, and, and you know what? Even that is probably not a definite science. Mm-hmm. There's probably different habits different individuals, yes. d- different things will have... How, how closely you stick to your new habit and routine. Yeah. But, you know, if you can expect to spend a couple of months mm-hmm. rather than a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and then you're probably setting yourself up for a more realistic, um, you mm-hmm. know, expectations about um, mm-hmm. how long it's going to take so that you're not demotivated if you mm-hmm. haven't overhauled your life in mm-hmm. a month. Here's another really interesting thing about behaviours, human mm. psychology and behaviours. Do you know that if you go to a, a restaurant or a cafe and there is a healthy option on the menu, mm. people are more likely to choose the least healthy option? This, this came out of, they discovered, no. they discovered this mm. when McDonald's started introducing salads onto the menu. They found that when they introduced, when McDonald's started introducing healthy options, sales of Big Macs went through the roof. It's because our brains see the healthy option and it's like they tick off healthy option and therefore, I don't know why this happens, but we, our brain registers as a healthy option. It's like we give ourselves the green light to choose the least healthy. That's bizarre. It's bizarre. But I thought that would be only if you did choose the healthy option and therefore you said, I had a Macca's salad, therefore I'd, I deserve the Macca's Big Mac. I don't understand that. So this is what we're confronted with. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it ticks off our, it, t- it ticks off something. It's a bit like writing a list. Mm. You know how we've talked about when you write a list, mm-hmm. but then you feel good, mm-hmm. but you don't actually then do anything on the list. No, never. Because just the writing the list was enough to make you feel good mm. to offload that stress. I think it's similar when you see the healthy option. Oh, this is good. This healthy option. And then you feel good. So you oh. give yourself license. I'll do that next time. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have that next time. Oh. You give yourself That's license incredible. to choose the unhealthiest option. Human brains. And it's funny and things. and the reward system. You were telling me uh, before you said something about how, given the reward of an apple or a piece of chocolate. Yeah. So people who that. people in studies mm. who have been you know put into you know it's a research exercise. Mm. So people uh, have a goal and they work towards it and they get feedback from the researcher. This might mm-hmm. be dieting, for example, mm. losing weight, and they get really positive feedback that they're making progress towards their goal. Mm. Then they're given the option of a reward, mm-hmm. and the option is that they can have an apple or a chocolate. Eighty-five percent of people will take the chocolate every it's time. Amazing. Yeah, because it's we our brains register. We've done something good. We deserve something good. Mm. We deserve a treat or reward. So in those situations, it's important. This is where that remember your why, remember the yes. long-term goal. Then suddenly the chocolate becomes a threat, not mm. a treat. You know, and so we see this all the time. You and I talk about this all the time. All this, the time. This treat food. Yes. Treat. And, and having your list on hand of rewards that aren't food-based, yes. that are rooted in self-care and other ways of giving to yourself. Yeah, but we have to remember that this is how our brains are wired. I think that's the important thing. Mm. And so we can start being more aware 
of these tricks that our brain plays. Mm. So that gives us, it just gives you back the power to recognise what's happening as it's happening. When you notice yourself going for the unhealthy option and you know mm. it's not in support of your goals, I mean, just... And we do it anyway. It drives me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but then you can just r- recognise that, you know, that this is this is just something that... Because people get so frustrated with themselves. Uh-huh. People come and they say, what is wrong with me mm-hmm. that I think I'm on track, I'm making all of this work, and then I do this. Mm-hmm. And they get all that self-critical talk. I think mm-hmm. it just helps. I don't... I think some of this stuff is astonishing. But I think if we can just all understand that we are complex creatures and that we don't, you know, this is not some uh, an individual flaw mm-hmm. of yours. If you choose the unhealthy option on the menu, mm-hmm. then it doesn't mean that you are a failed, you know, like a failure as a human. It mm-hmm. just means that you've got this human brain that does some crazy things and that, you know, that's okay. And you're aware of it so you can make a different choice. Thanks, Cass. That's so helpful. Concentrating more on habits than motivation. It'll get you to your goal. Next up, we're going to be talking about life after a baby. Pressures to bounce back and get your pre-baby body back fast. Uh, physical health, mental health, PND, we're going to cover it all. So keep listening. Thanks so much for joining us and we will speak to you soon. Crappy to Happy is recorded in the Podcast One studios. Produced by Dave Zwolenski. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. For more episodes and to check out other great podcasts, go to podcastone.com.au or download the app.